Welcome to your Friday edition of Strib Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, the end of another very fun week here on this podcast, your, again, favorite sports podcast, daily sports podcast, anyway, on StarTribune.com. Um, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, Randy Johnson will join me shortly here, just a few minutes, to talk a little Gophers hockey and a little wild thrown in at the end. And Dennis Anderson will join me a little bit after that to talk about a great uh, section he and his outdoors team at the Star Tribune did on the Gunflint Trail. Uh, that's in today's newspaper, Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. But first, you might be wondering, what did I miss? And if you are a Gophers fan who thinks Gabe Kalsher maybe peaked offensively as a freshman and shouldn't be taking three-pointers as much anymore, or if you are a Gophers fan who maybe doesn't like when Marcus Carr fires away with high-risk, high-reward shots late in games, and if you are a local sports fan in general who thinks Minnesota teams never catch any breaks, let me turn your attention to Thursday late afternoon and a final score, Gophers men's basketball team 71, Purdue 68. Now the Gophers look like they were headed for defeat. It is 58-52, Purdue with five minutes left, and the Gophers have no answer for Purdue's inside game, especially Trevion Williams. Then Kalsher hits a three they absolutely desperately need. Two minutes later, he does it again, pulls them within 61-59. Now we got a ball game, right? Carr, a little over a minute left. Gophers are down three, drills a three-pointer, ties the game 64-64, but two Williams baskets and two Carr free throws later, it's left at 68-66 Purdue with 26 seconds left. Now Carr comes down, and maybe you're thinking last shot time, right? 26 seconds left, you can hold for the last shot. But he lets it fly from deep. It absolutely looks, when watching on TV, it looks way too long, because it is. But he banks it in. Banks in the three-point attempt. Banks it in. Gophers lead 69-68. Williams has called for a fairly meek Traveling call right underneath the basket on the next possession. Another good break, and the Gophers hold on for the three-point win. Now, I'll circle back on all those things in just a minute here, Um, but let's talk about the big picture. The Gophers kind of had to have this game, right? It will look good on their tournament resume to have defeated a ranked Purdue team, though, to be honest, the resume still has some holes. And... uh, Okay, okay, now here's where you have to pardon an indulgence, but amuses me endlessly how we think of a college basketball team's accomplishments as a resume of sorts that they will present to the NCAA committee. And picturing it now, almost like a right, like a job interview, Richard Pitino is sitting there, and the committee interview is looking things over, and he says, okay, okay, nice, uh, yeah, it says here uh, you're comfortable in handling data and working in a fast-paced environment. Good. Definitely willing to travel. I like that. You beat Michigan and Iowa. Good, good. Okay, now it says here, almost one at Rutgers. Tell me a little bit more about that. And Patino says, well, our guys played a good game. We just didn't finish things off at the end. And the interviewer says, okay, well, m- maybe tell me about a time when you did win on the road. And Patino says, well, you see, the thing is we haven't. You haven't? No, I'm sorry, we have not. Well, we do have a lot of qualified applicants who have won some big road games this season. I will have to consider that 
in this hiring process. Okay, okay, okay. Indulgence over point stands. Not winning a road game yet is an NCAA tournament resume hole. But Minnesota is now 13-7 and overall, 6-7 and in a very good Big Ten with a lot of good wins. A loss would have been quite damaging, and it looked like, looked like that's where we were headed for almost the entire second half until Kalsher and Carr took over. Gophers made just seven threes the whole game in 24 attempts. Guess who made all seven of those? Yes, Kalsher and Carr in just 14 attempts, 50% between them. Kalsher made four of those. Kalsher had 16 points, eight rebounds, played all but two minutes of this game. Carr had a team-high 19 points plus five assists, four rebounds after a brutal game a couple weeks back at Purdue. But also, the biggest shot of the game was a banked-in three-pointer that, if it doesn't fall, very likely spells the Gophers' doom. But here's also the thing. The NCAA Tournament Committee looks at a lot of things, but at the end of the day, they probably don't get so granular as to say, well, Minnesota did beat Purdue, but they got kind of lucky on that bank shot, and maybe I wouldn't have called traveling on Williams on that next play. Your resume is largely what you did in black and white, not how you did it. Gophers won Thursday, which is ultimately all that matters. Just remember this the next time you try to say Minnesota teams never catch a break. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. I'd like to welcome in Randy Johnson right now. Randy covers hockey, uh, broad-based hockey for the Star Tribune, does the puck drop newsletter and blog. Um, has been covering a lot of gopher hockey lately. Um, Randy, how are you doing? Welcome. Oh, I'm doing very well. It's been a nice busy week with, with things going on in the hockey world and uh, no, enjoying it. February is hockey month. March is as well. So it, it stands to reason you would be busy. I want to start out with go for men's hockey team. Um, they had the unbelievable start to the season where, you know, undefeated hadn't even, you know, given up a lead at all or hadn't trailed. Um, harder times lately, especially last weekend against Wisconsin, they got run pretty good especially in that second game, eight to one. Uh, They played Notre Dame this weekend. Give me kind of the lay of the land on that team. And was that, you know, the the cooling off, was that to be expected? And how do they, where do they go from here? Yeah, I I think there was going to be some correction after that uh, 10 and 0 start. Uh, They're five and five since. Uh, They've struggled really at home uh, in in big 10 play in the second half, uh, getting swept by Notre Dame uh, and a pair of one goal games. And then this past weekend, the, 12 to two beat down from Wisconsin. Um, that's a very good Wisconsin team right now. They're, they're on an eight, eight and two run and a uh, ton of talent, uh, especially high end talent like uh, Cole Caulfield and Dylan Holloway, who pretty much uh, made Mary to their playground this weekend. Um, how, con- how concerned should they be at this point, you know, with the, the five and five stretcher, especially with happened, what happened against Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, they have reason to be concerned. Uh, uh, Bob Mosco was, is trying to get them refocused, uh, Pretty, uh, sounds like a pretty heavy uh, practice on Monday after this. You know, I don't know if he was yelling again, 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 like Herb Brooks, but it sounds like <laughs> put him through the paces pretty uh, swiftly. Um, he talked about having, you know, the coach has three uh, kicks at the can, at the garbage can each year, and uh, he used one of them on Monday. Um, so I, I think it's back the detail in their game, getting simplifying things. 
not trying to be a little fancy at times. Um, kind of pointed to the forwards, uh, put put the onus on them to be a, be stronger. Uh, just just be a lot more detailed and just focused. Um, this this series this weekend will tell us a lot because Notre Dame's a team where you don't want to get behind on them because they're like a ball constrictor. They just they get, they get a lead, they shut things down and just kind of uh, choke the life out of the the offense, uh, the opponent's offense. Would you say it's easily correctable like Christian Ponder, or is this uh, something that's going to take a little while to, to sort out? I, I think in hockey, there's, there's ebbs and flows in a season. I, I think they can get back on track. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily predict, predict a sweep, but they could. They come out of there with a split. They're probably in still pretty good shape, right? You know, they, they're one point behind Wisconsin in the standings, the Big Ten. So it's, you know, the, the one nice thing, you win the Big Ten, you get a, you get a buy in the first round of the playoffs. Um, Better now, I suppose, than, you know, a month from now that they learn these things about themselves. You don't want to get too high and don't want to get too low at, at this point. But, you know, as they point towards, you know, March and, and NCAA talk, is this, do you still feel like this is a team that, you know, has a, a frozen four birth in them, has a, has a national, you know, a national run in them? I do, you know, but thing, they're going to have to go out and prove it again. Um, you know, the, the one concerning thing I, I see is, is uh, the Gophers with the other teams in the top four of the, of the Big Ten with uh, Wisconsin, uh, Notre Dame, and Michigan. They're three and five right now, and they're, they're averaging two and a quarter goals per game. So that's, that's a little concerning. Uh, you need to bump that up a bit. Um, I think they can. Um, it, you know that uh, the NCAA tournament a lot of times is about the hot team. You know, you look, you just look at, look at Duluth a few years back when they won their first of the back-to-back, they barely get in and they run the table uh, playing tight defense and winning one goal games. Um, yeah. The Gophers have the talent to, to, to go far. They, they have the goaltending. It's yeah. It's just a matter of putting it together. Now we don't know what uh, a, what the tournament's completely going to look like. And how, yeah. uh, B is I'd, I'd, I'd like to know more about this team and how they might've fared against say a North Dakota, a Mankato, a Minnesota Duluth. That's, that's one thing we're really missing this year with COVID. We're not seeing that inter, uh, inter, interconference play telling us who's, who's who, uh, who, who's good, who's maybe, maybe a little bit overrated, that type of thing. Yeah, and there's some good teams out there. There's The rankings will show you what all five teams in Minnesota still in the top 20, Gophers still number five, North Dakota way up there. So it's, it's, a, it's definitely a good year in the region. Yeah, you got uh, North Dakota's number two behind Boston College, um, Minnesota State, Mankato three, Duluth four, Gophers five, St. Cloud State six. So it's uh, you know there's there's high quality play this year in the state. Yeah, so you got you got all that. Gopher women. Let's transition to that quick and then talk a little wild before we finish up. Gopher women's been in a huge stretch of you know tough tough games. They they played the Badgers last weekend, just like the Gopher men did. They've got Ohio State. This weekend, you can read all about that. Um, both the men and the women uh, follow Randy's coverage, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com, and the Puck Drop newsletter coming out uh, Friday as well. But where do they where do they stand after that series against the Badgers and going into you know another tough one against Ohio State? It's interesting because they've they've played uh, Wisconsin ranked number one, they're number two, Ohio State's number four, and for the past. Four, this will be the fourth weekend or fourth series in five weekends. Gophers had one of those off, but the, they've either played Wisconsin 
or Ohio State. So they're getting to know these teams really well. Um, basically, Ohio State, they could end up conceivably playing this team eight, eight times this year if they would wow. meet WCHA tournament or in the NCAA tournament too. Um, yeah, they're, they're both, you know, they're kind of mirror each other. Ohio State loves to play a fast game. They, they get up and down the ice. Gophers got a lot of talent that way too. It, it, they've split their two series so far. Um, so this will this will tell a little bit more, I guess. It's just, uh, I, I'm sure they might be getting sick of playing each other a little bit, but uh, at least you can say for Coach Brad Frosting that, that it's getting them ready for uh, tournament time, that's for sure. If you haven't been following the Gopher women this year, who are some of their best players and what? how do they win when they do well? Um, they, they, they win when they uh, can limit the opponent a bit. Uh, Grace Zumwinkle's their leading scorer, senior forward. Uh, they have their goalie is a, a main goalie so far this year has been a transfer from Bemidji State, Lauren Bench. Uh, she uh, opened the season with a shutout in her debut against Ohio State. Uh, she's been pretty solid. Uh, they have a strong freshman class led by Abby Murphy um, out of the Chicago area, uh, one of the higher recruits in, in the country. Um, yeah, they're, they're talented and balanced, I'd say. The Wild sounds like they'll be back on the ice Friday, barring any you know, any further developments. They've obviously been shut down for more than a week now with the COVID situation. A lot of players, you know, and we're in double digits now with players that went on the COVID list. What, what, what can you tell me? I know you're not the beat writer for that team, but you've done a lot of coverage of that team. And I'm sure you were going to write about them to a certain degree in puck drop, uh, you know, if not tomorrow, then, then down the road. What, what do you think this layoff will do? And, and when, when do you think we can, see them back on the ice, you know, for a game. Cause they're already slated to miss six games through, throughout yeah. all this. I'm, I'm, you know, they're, they're basically scheduled to practice the next uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think that's going to get them a lot closer. I would say sometime next week, they'll be back playing games. I'm not certain when that will be. Uh, then you look at who, who of the, of the players do they have back? I mean, how many will clear the protocols in time for that first game? Um, if they can avoid having a, a huge gap where you have to use the entire taxi squad. And even there's been at least one taxi squad play that's been sidelined too, but by, by, by the protocol. So, but sometime I, next week, it sounds like they could be, you know, maybe getting back into game action. You know, this has been NHL. It's been kind of a big story. It's been a big story in every pro sport, especially, you know, when, you know, beyond the bubbles that were successful, you know, now that they're trying to play, just kind of a regular schedule. This is, this has been a story. How, how do you see this playing out the rest of the year? I mean, I guess if you've had half your team go down already, you can only so much more can happen, but league wise, yeah. this seems like it is a problem. Yeah. I, you know, hopefully they've left enough uh, spots in the schedule where you can make up the games. Um, if they can, yeah, if they can, if, if this goes through all the teams, like it's gone through the wild, you know, they'll in a way, get it out of the way, I guess. That's kind of a weird way to put it, but um Will there be a spot where uh, they'll shut down for a couple weeks? I, that wouldn't surprise me. I I, I kind of wondered here when it was going through, like uh, New Jersey had had several, you know, in the in the uh, more than ten, and you know, the Wild had thirteen at one point, and you, you just wondered, like, okay, are they going to have to start and say, okay, let's take a couple weeks off and see what uh, what we can do? Well, we'll see what they're able to do. Next week, what we know for sure is go for men and go for women play this weekend. Big series for those hockey teams. And we know for certain that you should follow Randy's coverage, Puck Drop newsletter, Puck Drop blog, uh, StarTribune, StarTribune.com. Randy, thanks for joining me today on the Daily Delivery Podcast. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it.
Good stuff from Randy. Love talking to Randy about hockey. He's fired up about hockey all the time. And let's let's be honest, things are more fun around here when the Gophers men's hockey team is relevant. They haven't had great success in recent years, but uh, but this season they seem to be on the right track at the very least. All right, very excited right now to be joined by Dennis Anderson, longtime Star Tribune outdoors columnist, editor. Really cool section today on the Gunflint Trail, northern Minnesota. I've been there myself. It's been a little while, though, but a lot of people have been finding it. It's It's been a treasure for a long time, but more people than ever, uh, or in, at least for a while, finding it um, as they search for open spaces, uh, perhaps during the COVID pandemic. First of all, uh, Dennis, congrats on the, on the cool section, and uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a little chilly um, everywhere. Yes. Chillier, I'm not up at the Gunflint right now, but chillier up there. Yeah, I bet you know, it is. Some of uh, the people we wrote about up there earlier this week, and they're in the minus uh, 20, 25, and that's without wind chill. So that's, wherever uh, you are, it could be colder. No, thank you to that. Although, yeah, you're right. It's plenty cold here in Minneapolis, uh, Twin Cities. Um, so maybe let's start off with just give me an overview of, of the Gunflint Trail and what makes it so, you know, so special. There's obviously tons of great outdoor spaces, but why, why do people gravitate to this particular trail in the first place? Well, North, it's part of Northern, Gunflint Trail is obviously part of Northern Minnesota. It borders the uh, Boundary Waters Kuno Area Wilderness, which is by itself cool has been forever um, in this state. And it dead ends also. It's a trail that you can't keep going forever. You leave Grand Marais, uh, head inland, and it goes about 57 miles and ends at uh, Saginaw Lake, or actually the Seagull River, which is you know right there. The history of the Gunflint Trail is really part and parcel of the history of Northern Minnesota, sort of rugged individualism originating pre-settlement with, um, of course, Indians. There were Cree Indians there as well, as well as um, Chippewa Indians, um, and they made their way along what was then a footpath from Gunflint Lake or that area. Seasonally, it was easier for them to go down to Lake Superior and what is now Grand Marais. So then settlement came and they um, had all kinds of far-flung ideas. Of course, mining is big in northern Minnesota, and at one time they thought they could have a mine up by Gunflint Lake, which is about 40 miles up from Grand Marais. Uh, that went bust and a lot of people lost a lot of money. And then um, really uh, Justine Kerfoot and her family, which you know, Justine Kerfoot is a well-known personage. She's now passed on, but she is from a wealthy family in Chicago. And uh, they owned one resort in um, Northern Wisconsin, I believe at the time. She was a, a junior in Northwestern University, ready to be a very bright person, ready to go to medical school. And then the depression hit her family, lost all their money. And they owned one thing at that time, a small resort on Gunflint Lake, which in 1925, 1927 was really just a little shack and a couple cabins. And they went up there and Justine forgot about her other life in medical school and became this iconic um, Minnesotan who learned from the Indians how to trap, how to travel by canoe, and ultimately how a couple times a year is all they could make it to go from Gunflint Lake down to Grand Marais. So that history is uh, filled with colorful people, 
Um, and of course it has all of the best of the outdoors of Minnesota, lakes, walleyes, um, wilderness travel, canoes. So it, it really is a place where people have gone forever and it is undergoing some changes now, as you indicated. Yeah. So first off, you know, people have been seeking out outdoor spaces, especially, you know, last summer. And I imagine again, that'll happen as things warm up a, a tiny bit here in March, April, and then into the summer again. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but, you know, people seeking out those spaces, they're finding new people are finding the Gunflint Trail for, for better or worse. Tell me about the, the demographic, how people are kind of coming from all over and, and even, you know, not just staying there, but buying up property and things of that nature. Well, they, they did see, you know, if you talk to real estate people up there, it was quite an, an a story I wrote today. I, I um, sort of likened it to a gold rush. There were people from Chicago, Des Moines, East and West Coast. And I think really what those people who are sort of into this geographic escapism and, and also have some money, they look for a variety of things. One, they look for beauty. Um, and of course, lots of places in this country, Aspen, Colorado, all those qualify, the Sierra Nevadas, then they look for uh, remoteness, especially now in the age of COVID. They look for relatively low real estate, um, relatively low real estate prices. And then of course, high speed internet so that if they do pay, uh, uh, purchase property, they can still be connected um, via Zoom and other, other ways. And the Gunflint Trail has all of that, generally speaking, the real estate prices you and I might consider them pretty high, but um, on a national level, they're probably moderate to moderately low, even considering all the natural, you know, the environment. But they do have high-speed internet, um, which is kind of hard to believe, but it was a dozen years or so ago, they had a federal grant and some real forward-looking uh, community activists and a rural electric there they got the grant and they laid out a plan. And even though that, that country's all, as you know, very hard rock and very difficult to lay any uh, fiber optic uh, uh, wire or cable, they did that. And they, and they not only that, they offered anybody who was on the electric grid in all of Cook County and up the trail, anybody who was getting electricity could have high-speed internet for free. What? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Okay. So, um, we have a situation today, as I wrote about uh, one of the fellows I wrote about, he and his wife from the Twin Cities, um, at risk for COVID, um, works for a company out in California, uh, traveling type of person on an airplane every week, COVID hit. He said, I'm not doing that anymore. And his company said, you don't have to travel till this thing lays down. So they looked and bought a place uh, about 37 miles up the trail. They're the only home on the lake. And um, they have high-speed internet, and he can keep working. So. That's amazing. The you know, it's interesting how, like you said, it's it's there's been a change, and there's been this kind of seeking out of it. The the flip side of it, and I think you and and our colleague Bob Bob Timmons uh, have have written about this is you know not just the gunflint, but but anywhere there's kind of this remoteness, and people have been seeking it out. Some of these people aren't necessarily the experienced uh, outdoors people. And have been, you know, not keeping these areas as as pristine as they should have. What what do we what can we what can we tell about about that um, unfortunate phenomenon of of you know the gunflint and other outdoor outdoor spaces in this era? Right. Well, there are you know we were talking about people who are moving up there or buying property, and then there's a different people who are vacationing 
up there or across the north in the Boundary Waters, Voyagers National Park, Minnesota State Park. And those, all of those vendor uh, uh, locations were filled last summer and they expect probably to be um, pretty busy again this year. And, you know, I guess necessarily some of those people who bought RVs or were looking for a vacation that didn't involve air travel and wanted to stick close to home, maybe they'd lost their jobs, money was an issue. So now they're either paddling in the boundary waters um, or camping in a national forest campground or a state park and they haven't done it before. So you're gonna have problems and we did have problems um, in the boundary waters there. You know, there are, I'm sure you've been there, there are not strict rules. It's not like um, driving, uh, you know, on 494, the, you know, you don't have to, you know, speed limits and so forth, but there are definitely um, ethics and, and rules as well. One is limited by the number of people who should be in a group and in a campsite, you don't chop down live trees, that's for sure. One, they don't burn very well. And two, there's no reason to do that. Um, you don't leave trash. Uh, you don't bring cans and bottles in. All of those um, you know, rules are there for a reason. And so last year we had, in some cases, unprecedented um, visitorship. Um, and then we had a lot of new people. And so there were problems. And uh, hopefully people have learned. I know that the Forest Service has changed the way it's gotten a lot more aggressive in trying to educate people as they give them permits to go in the boundary waters and our state park system as well. And, you know, I think people generally mean well and, and uh, those who are going to come back and do it a second time probably uh, have some incentive to do it a little better, we hope so. Last thing for you, Dennis, and thank you so much. What if, if, if you're going up to the Guntflint for the first time and, you know, you haven't, haven't been up there, what are, what are some of your favorite things about it or even specific places to, to, to see up, up on the trail? Well, you know, I think it's, it's, that's a great idea. Uh, there's, you know, that's a gateway to the Boundary Waters. So is Ely. So those can kind of be considered um, different launching points for the Boundary Waters and that whole area. But planning is a big deal. You know, it depends if you're going to go into the Boundary Waters and you definitely want to log on to the Superior National Forest website, just Google BWCA and, and pick up and try to get more information about what, uh, what's expected of you and so forth. If you just want to go up there and camp, there are a number of National Forest campgrounds, which are generally um, a little more uh, Spartan than state parks. You know, there's not, uh, you don't see big RVs in them. Typically, you'd be camping in a tent, but they're cheaper too, which is great. So there are a number of campsites to go along uh, the uh, trail. Uh, plan that out. If you're going to bring a canoe or rent a canoe, you can rent a canoe, you can rent kayaks, you can rent any kind of equipment in Grand Marais and up the trail. Plan that out. And then, uh, you know, I think that for me anyway, I hate to go up there without uh, thinking about fishing. Because one, Fishing and catching fish is uh, obviously a lot of fun. Eating fish is obviously a great experience. And when you combine all of um, you know those activities in a in one trip, it's a unique place that we have. And and I think increasingly one that's uh, hopefully valued by more people. And and the more people who value it, the better chance we have of taking care of it. Dennis, great stuff. Read that section today's Star Tribune. Uh, also on startribune.com and also always uh, follow Dennis's work. They do a great job with the outdoors coverage um, in a variety of different ways. Dennis, take care and thank you so much.
All right, Mike. Thanks. I don't know about you, but I want to go to the Gunflint Trail. Not like today, um, but like maybe in a few months. That sounds like a lot of fun. Is is yeah, fun's a right? Fun's a good word, but also just kind of relaxing and and serene. And I, I could I could go for a huge dose of nature and outdoor spaces uh, right about now. Especially, I can I know I'm going to feel that, especially in a few months here after being even cooped up even more this winter. So great stuff from Dennis. Love to have him on. And we'll, we'll talk more outdoors here on the podcast periodically as we go on. Let's end things with the cooler quickly. Jacksonville Jaguars have hired Chris Doyle, former strength coach, University of Iowa. He was the one who was accused of making you know, racist remarks. Uh, there was some bullying allegations. That investigation led him to lose his job um, uh, last summer more or less, is when when that all came to light. He's been hired by Urban Meyer, the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, a lot of scrutiny for this move. And here's, here's what I think. You know, I, I, I believe in second chances. I believe people can change. I don't always know if the change has to be accompanied by such a high-profile second chance, especially right away. Let, let's, let's give this a little time, right? I, 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 you know, Meyer saying he can vouch for him. I vetted for everyone on, I vetted everyone on this staff. He may well think that, but he can't know everything that happened at Iowa. This is bound to not play well in the locker room. Um, and it just, just seems like a mistake. Maybe, maybe, maybe Doyle has changed. Maybe this is, you know, something that he has learned from and this will be a net positive, but it's just a strange move, um, if we're being honest about it uh, at this moment. That will do it. Reminder, please subscribe to this podcast. You can find it wherever you find your finer podcasts um also on startribune.com looking forward to next week already have a great slate of guests look forward to hold steady frontman craig finn joining me on the show to talk about their new release as well as a lot of minnesota sports and hoping to nab some really good uh, other guests as well we'll talk to you again on monday have a great weekend i'm michael rand for strip sports daily delivery 